Hi guys, this is Deacon Pat, back with you with Idaho Catholic Podcast. We've gathered the guys together. I can't believe it. It's been a week already. I think we're calling back. We had a topic that we picked last week that we were going to be sharing, um, and it was on, help me guys. Natural law. Natural law. Hey, let's go quickly around the table and let everybody know who's here this week. Mike's here. Ryan's here. John's here. And Nick. So Nick, um, tell us a little bit about the topic that you're going to lead us um, on today for kind of prompting some discussion. And why did you choose this topic or this interest in your life? Yeah, so I I chose um, for our family ministry, adult ministries, to do a a talk on uh, natural law. And we've had natural law come up in adult ministry before and kind of gone down more philosophical routes, uh, but I kind of wanted more of a, a more clear-cut way to express um, some of the Catholic Church's views without citing the Catechism or the Bible or or just by saying, because I'm Catholic. Um, so that was kind of the motivation behind it and trying to see how um, natural law plays into some of the, the issues in our lives, such as um, marriage and uh, abortion and, and contraception and other things like that. I think most people, I think even most Catholics, that if you go up to them and you ask them the question, what do you think about natural law? <laughs> what, what, kind of a, what kind of response would you get from, you know, Joe and Mary, the parishioners at Our Lady of the Valley, if you said that to them? What do you think? Well, I think in my experience, the apple always does fall to the ground when it falls off the tree. yes thank you newton (laughs) that's the kind of natural law we're talking about right oh i think that's a fair (laughs) fair to say though i think people don't really know what natural law is they've heard of it but don't really understand it so so if you were going to talk to joe or mary the parishioner and you asked them that question and they gave you that deer in the headlight kind of look how would you start? Where would you start by trying to explain what it actually is? Well, one of the um, kind of the easiest way to boil it down is to talk about one thing and what makes it good or bad. And, and to determine whether one th- initial thing is good or bad, you look at its essence, what it is supposed to be. So we've often heard the, the good triangle has straight sides and three points. A bad triangle wouldn't necessarily have those things. Um, to go a little bit more uh, into um, our world, if you have a good oak tree, it should grow tall and should grow deep roots. A bad oak tree wouldn't grow very tall and wouldn't grow deep roots. It would be kind of a, a weak um, plant. Um, and then you also have to look at... Um, if something aids or impedes something's ability to be what it's supposed to be. So you could have a Roundup or a weed killer would be bad for a plant because it impedes that plant's ability to um, be what it's supposed to be. It but it works really essence. good on weeds, yeah. though, right? Because so, I use it all the yeah. time. <laughs> so in, in its essence, it's very good. Oh. So, so when I accidentally <clears throat> miss the weed... <laughs> and I hit the shrub next to it, and I notice about two weeks later, the shrub looks like it's uh, struggling to hang on to life. I didn't use it correctly, right? Yeah. Just <laughs> natural law at work, right there. <laughs> yeah. So, so what would be? What's one thing we could talk about that would be really relative or pertinent to our our life? Um, how does uh, maybe an issue in our life, and how does natural law play into that? What do you think? 
which one do you guys want to go after? Well, what's 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 an what's an issue? Um, just relationships in life. Does does that would that be applicable, or how would we talk about that? Um, yeah, I think we could easily go go down a line of thought with with just relationships in general. Um, when we're talking about choices we make as human beings, we we have to look at our essence and what's uh, vital to who we are as humans, um, and. And what I looked at, I, I kind of boiled it down because there's a lot you can go into. Um, but we kind of looked at three main drives um, behind humanity, I guess. And that is uh, the drive for existence, uh, the drive to promote the species, and then the drive to function healthily in society. Um, and so if you're, you look at those three drives um, being applicable to our essence and kind of determine um, whether or not the choices you're making in a relationship or, or other areas are good and bad uh, you know i'm listening to this and i was just thinking <clears throat> this would almost be a great foundation for how for or, or a tool that we could use just in discernment in our life mm-hmm. when we're trying to make choices in our life um where do we go what, what what do we choose to do what do we choose not to do what direction do we go in our life um it almost sounds like you could go back to some of these elements to see uh, what, what do you guys think about that? <laughs> I was told silence is good because yes. there's a healthy silence. Yeah, well, recently I, I kind of pr- proposed this line of thinking to one of the classes that I teach just as an alternative to, to what um, they're they've maybe been taught themselves by either their parents or their religious background and whatnot. So we went through a few different issues and just went down that list. Okay, does how does this affect my existence as an individual? Does it promote the species? Does it aid to societal health? And we kind of just looked at different issues and, and how they affected each of those drives that we have um, and had a pretty healthy discussion about some pretty hot button issues what about drugs what about using drugs what about what about marijuana what about um just um what are some of the other ones crystal meth right Mm -hmm. i mean what 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 are are even the popular drugs nowadays i know marijuana is and um and obviously gosh i see it at the hospital all the time the effects of meth and what that does to people but but um well, I don't know that if people are that are doing meth would want to really evaluate if it's good for them or not. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But um, but even like, you know, smoking marijuana or drinking alcohol, I guess at some point you could use some of those criteria mm-hmm. to say, it, is this really helping me in my essence? Is it yeah. helping me? I mean, what are your, where would we go with that? If I, if I wanted to look at, because I know a lot of guys that struggle with alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they admit it. Sometimes they don't admit it in their mm-hmm. life. Um, but um, but let's say let's say there's a guy <clears throat> that he's starting to think maybe he drinks too much alcohol, and you wanted to use that line of thinking. How would you do that? How would we use that? <coughs> you can ask him. Is this? Go ahead, Mike. Well, I, I, I think say. they first have to, to know, realize they have a problem, and admit they have a problem before. You can even talk to them. Is that right? Well, what what if they don't? What if they're not sure if they have a problem? What if they what if they're looking for a tool to help evaluate? Because drinking in itself is not bad. But I suppose if they're seeking, then yes, that would be. But I, I guess maybe I'm stereotyping here. But I always think of like the the typical line of 
I could quit anytime I wanted to, you know. So basically, you're saying, basically, the person is saying, shut up about my alcohol use because I could quit, you know, I've got it under control. So I suppose you, you could pull up a list of things where their life has gone bad and sour and say, you know, this, this is why all these things in your life are going south is because of your alcohol use. And I think for this situation, I think you should risk the whole, and I'm, I'm, you know, this is all coming off the top of my head here, so maybe I should be quiet, but I think it would be worth the risk to confront that person, even though you know they're going to say, you know, the chances are high that they're going to say, I can quit anytime I want, this is not the problem. But just for the sake of the, their own life that they're ruining and the lives of those around them that they're ruining, um, you should confront them. And you know, I can think of people in my life where I have remained silent and not said anything because I didn't want to offend them. Um, I was too timid. Where I should have spoken up and said, "Hey, you've got this problem. I can see it. Like everyone around, can you can can see this?" And uh, to not say something would be maybe the, a sin of omission on my part. Well, how would we use natural law though to approach them on it? Well, the, the, the whole thing of is <clears throat> the, the three things were, Nick, say, say the three, three things again. So an individual's existence, promotion of the species, and um, societal health. So, so living healthy Societal health. Society. Societal health is a huge, that's yeah. a big umbrella for a lot mm-hmm. of different topics. Well, the, you let's know, just the, take the, it like best. one piece at a time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah no, go, I'm, get, I'm getting there. Yeah, okay. So to narrow that down to that person's life and their family, you know, that's their society. It's the most basic unit mm-hmm. of society. And... Um, they're ruining their life through alcoholism or whatever the vice may be. Okay, so if I were to look at it from that way, so from the point of essence, you could say, look how this is affecting you, maybe your behavior or maybe your uh, ability to get to work on time or to be a father or to be a husband. So that's a f- that mm-hmm. you know the alcohol use at, at a certain level, it goes from sort of a fun thing, enjoyable and, uh, you know, kind of promoting your essence or, you know, mm-hmm. but then at some point in time, it gets to the point where it's too much. Would that be fair to say? Then? Yeah, I think that's, that's perfect. I think alcohol is a great one to, to highlight in this because if we're focusing on the societal health part, um, part of the good side of alcohol is to function better socially, right? Um, to have a better social um atmosphere the bad side is exactly what we were talking about yeah how does it affect your ability to get to work to care for your family all these other things so you can begin to stack up the evidence based on those drives within a human essence Mm -hmm. um to show that maybe this behavior this act is not good but in fact bad Okay. I, I guess when I was first thinking about this, I, I wasn't thinking about it the way that you were, Mike. You brought up some good points, though. But I was thinking of it less of an intervention. Because guys who develop a drinking problem, um, they, they tend to really start isolating themselves. And they start pulling into themselves. And, and I, I don't know how useful or how common interventions actually are. I think they are. There's there, there's a place and time for those where other people will intervene, and and but but a lot of times those people have really pulled in on themselves so much, kind of siloed themselves or isolated themselves. I guess where I was going with this was how if if there's someone out there listening right now 
who thinks maybe maybe I do have a problem because I always think it's more um, just just a self-reflective and and I think for someone to have the tools to be able to really do this um, internally because for someone really to stop an addiction you can ask for help to do that but it has to be a drive from within that someone really wants to stop doing whatever they're doing so that's what i was thinking is how could we process this if there's somebody right now at home and they're and they're thinking um maybe maybe i have a problem maybe i don't so how would we use those three different steps mm -hmm. for them to to contemplate that right now is do you guys following me a little bit where i'm sure. going with that yeah. so okay yeah. so what where would what's so what's the first one we would start with then? Uh, existence so okay. and that can be i mean anything that keeps you alive basically is kind of what we're looking at there so food shelter that type of stuff so does your, most alcoholics they'll they'll actually start replacing their calories in mm -hmm. their life with the alcohol mm -hmm. and not the food that's why they get the vitamin b deficiencies and yep. all those things mm -hmm. okay yeah right. so that could definitely be a, a negative on that issue right there because mm -hmm. it's not going to support your existence it's going to lean the other way um and then if you move on to um promote the species i guess we could go down some interesting lines there but that's probably kind of a kind of a non-issue a little bit of alcohol know. might help it yeah. but, but but too much too much does not that's for plus, sure. plus too much alcohol what does that start doing to the relationships i think i think mm -hmm. i alluded to there that a little go, bit yeah. before you start really isolating and pulling mm -hmm. away from people because mm -hmm. you're doing i think subconsciously a lot of times people know that they have they're developing a problem mm -hmm. and that's why what do you hear about alcoholics all the time they're hiding their drinking mm -hmm. who are they hiding it from they're hiding it from other people yeah and so they start pulling away from the relationships for other, mm -hmm. other from other people as yeah. well so i guess in on that topic too we could say it's a negative because if it's if it's affecting a husband and wife's relationship that's not going to be healthy in terms of promoting the species and just so. and just relationship in general with their with the community and the friends mm -hmm. around them because they're isolating themselves yep. we're not meant to live in isolation yeah at all yeah, and that's exactly the third drive there, the uh -huh. societal health. That's part of our drive is to live with and for other people. Yeah. So. I, you know, it's, it's a funny thing, and, and, and I like to talk about alcohol sometimes because I actually like drinking. <laughs> it's probably my Irish heritage. But, but, but also being, being Irish, I, I have to always think about those things. And, um, you know, working in mental health, gosh, for 35 years now, I've seen what, what drugs and alcohol have done to people and the struggle that they have in their lives with them. And, and, and there's so many people that I've come across, I, I can clearly see they have a problem, but they don't see it within themselves mm -hmm. or they don't want to. I don't know. I don't know the answer. So the, to that. What I see here is that the natural law is a, a <coughs> great way to use reason. You don't necessarily need to bring uh, any type of religiosity into the argument at all. You can just look at from pure reason alone. I heard a really great one on, uh, so uh, approach to another hot button topic, abortion. You know, so just looking at it, um, mm -hmm. does abortion help or hurt a person's essence? Right. Does it promote the species? And mm -hmm. does it further society? Wow. And, and all of those are no's. Those are rhetorical questions, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so obvious. just from, from natural law, argue the opposite. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just from that, that reason alone, 
uh, we can, I, I think, alcoholism or, or use of alcohol is a great seg segue into other issues like that because we can sit and moralize and, and whatever about drinking, right? And say, okay, well, it's good in this and then what's good for me is not good for you. But when you really get it down to abortion is a huge, huge topic. It, it's with clear ethical and moral boundaries. It's a yes or a no. Alcohol is kind of like a kind of yes, kind of no thing, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's application. But the application of abortion in answering those just those three questions, can you affirm or deny on each one of those things? And it's a negative on each one of those. Okay, so help me with this, you guys. <clears throat> so I'm I'm a lady out there, and I'm and I'm pro-abortion. I have a deep voice. <laughs> it's that hormone therapy, I guess. But um, but but I'm I but I'm but I'm focused on it's it's my choice. I should have control of my own body. I should be able to make this decision. How would we use natural law against that? First of all, there was a uh, there was a Democratic candidate just this election that was talking about how they want to connect with the most vulnerable in our society, the ones without a voice, and bring their voice to the fore. Well, with abortion, where's the voice? The, so you have the, the person, so yeah, I guess I'm jumping too far ahead, but you know, oftentimes what we'll do is we'll, um, we'll think of me first, and we don't think of the other. Um, in an abortion, there's, there's two people being affected, not only the woman, but there's also the baby. Who doesn't have a voice there? Who is not being represented? Who cannot defend themselves? Who cannot make a choice one way or the other? I think the only way to rationalize that, you, you're making a great point. I think the only way to really rationalize that would be for someone to be able to say, well, that's, that's not a human being. You hear that, right? Right. That it's just a clump of cells or whatever. Um, because I don't think there's any other way to rationalize it. You, you, you have to bring it down to that is not, that is not a being. That is not a human, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because if you don't go there, then you don't have any excuse anymore, right? If you were to let it, <laughs> yeah, and, and to that point also, if you were to let it go, leave it alone, you would have a fully formed human yeah. capable of reason, capable of arguing their own existence. So if you jump forward, you know, 20 years, 30 years, and you were able to ask that person that, that is about to be aborted or under threat of abortion. So I don't know, my life would have been better if I wouldn't have had you. <laughs> you know? So mm -hmm. it was easier for me to, um, to not take you on, to not take on that burden in my life. It was easier to get rid of you. Yeah. Um, and I, I think we really need to, to really think long term in those. It's granted uh, a, a young lady who's sitting there or even an older lady that's sitting there in that position of should I or shouldn't I have an abortion? That's a tough, tough situation. And, and not even getting into the cases of rape or incest or anything else. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking uh, a, a situation where a person finds themselves at that crossroads. Um, we need to be there for them, mm -hmm. supportive of them, and to be strong for them and, and to continue to, to, to push this because 
at the end of the day, you know, they're going to turn in and say, oh, gosh, you know, uh, this is a this is going to be suffering that I'm going to impart. This is going to be difficult for me. And so even from that perspective, applying natural law from that that personal perspective of, of the choice that I'm going to make, how is this going to assess uh, affect my essence? Um, you know, am I uh, by this decision, am I? Um, advancing the species or or not um you know and what's the effect on society you know by and large and i'm talking way too much and we've got other people <laughs> okay. here You're saying really good stuff <laughs> yeah like, I, I keep coming back to the societal health part of that equation because if you play devil's advocate for a little bit that that's usually where somebody's going to argue the other side they're going to say well this person wants to function in society that's why they are choosing not to have this child at this point in time um, but if you add in all the context there and look at all the negative psychological emotional and physical things that happen as a result of an abortion those things are going to more than counterbalance the um, yeah. the other side of that argument on on living healthily in society so, and I think that I, I like what you were saying about um, uh, how tough a decision that is to make I think a lot of the time um, people think that our focus is right at that moment. Really, the battle needs to be fought way before that moment ever arises. Like, hopefully, we're, we're able to communicate these issues to people to help them form their conscience before they ever get to that, hmm. to, to that point, because that is a tough position to be in. So I would think the people that are promote, uh, proponents of abortion, homosexuality, euthanasia, um, they don't want to have a talk about natural law, probably, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? That would they be. They might think they do until they figure out what it is. Yeah, that's what I was just wondering. That's probably something they'd want to stay away. Part of from. like for homosexuality, they think I'm naturally this way. So initially, they might think that yeah, if we go down natural law, maybe that'll support my end of it. But. If you go down our drives and what is at our essence, it actually won't. I think it gets so twisted, though, because I can think mm -hmm. when you talk about societal health yeah. and, and all that, they can twist that around yeah. in so many ways. If you if you only accepted me, you know, I would be uh, society would be better. And if, yeah. if you only accepted me as a mass murderer, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, you guys would be better off if you just let me. I just need to murder a bunch of people. You know, <laughs> I'm not really a bad person. I, I was you know, listening to some. I mean, you can get really crazy on on yeah. twisting things around. I was but. listening to some statistics on uh, people that go through sex changes because they they they're born a certain way and they identify as the other gender and they've had all these mental health issues because they haven't been able to identify as who they really think they are they go through they have the sex change operation and and in theory you would think then their mental health would be better afterwards because they are identifying with who they think they are and the world is actually seeing them as who they're identifying with however the 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 percentage of mental health issues after the sex change is elevated higher yeah, the, and the, the suicide, suicide rates rate are skyrocketing it's already super super high from already but after the sex change yeah, it, it's, it's higher even higher so that whole argument about if i was only accepted or whatever it, 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 there's no proof yeah. that, that there, supports that, that. that it's still yeah. in there with that if it were a good thing um 
well, another thing with abortion again here. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, the legality and the use of abortion in society, if it were really a good thing, we would have made a, a law or we wouldn't have even needed a law. We would have recognized this was a good thing, that we should practice it, and it shouldn't be a problem. But here we are, how many years later from Roe versus uh, Wade? Yeah. Um, and it's a divisive issue that people are fighting on. They're fighting to keep it in play. So yeah. if it were a, a good and right and just law, we wouldn't be fighting against it. We, you know, fighting to keep it rather. So, um, so why, why do you think people are fighting so hard to keep abortion? What, what do you guys think? I mean, what, why, why do we have that in our world? Well, from probably, and I don't want to go too far with this, but you know, I've, I've been down that road. And I can honestly tell you from my own perspective, from my own experience, um, it's out of ignorance. It's out of understanding of what's really in play. Um, it's of convenience. I, ding, ding, I think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I can. Yeah. You just out of justification. Um, yeah, there, there's, there's so many things that you can do, so many ways that you'll justify pretty much anything in your life. And then when you have society all around you, anywhere you go, promotes that same kind of decision. Um, so that support mechanism, right? Okay, if that support mechanism was correct and that decision was the correct one to make, um, would I feel horrible by going down that road? Would I question a decision of going down that road? Would it affect me going down that road? So uh, my argument is, is that if it were a right and just decision, if it were okay, I wouldn't have a problem with that, would I? Yeah, I don't know. This is so interesting to me. And, and I think sometimes I have to step back <clears throat> and try to look at from a different viewpoint. Because in my viewpoint, I mean, that, that's a human being. From, from the moment of, you know, of creation, God has placed a soul in there and it has dignity. And I just think, how can somebody kill that? But, but many people don't feel or believe the way I believe. And I think that, that impacts that as well. Yeah. But that's the, that is what happens when religion gets pulled out of the public sphere. That yeah. is what happens when we gut that discussion and we pull it out of schools and we pull it out of education and we pull it out of, we demonize, uh, you know, what we were talking about in our last conversation, that you're considered a hate monger because you have a moral position. <laughs> you, know? you know, I was looking at, before you guys came over, I pulled up uh, Humanae Vitae and, um, oh, you know what? I was looking all over for where where did I put that that I was reading, and I forgot. It's on my computer right here <laughs> in front of me. But um, have you have you guys read that? It was written in 1968, and it was written by Paul the Sixth. Um, are you guys familiar with that at all? He was really it was, it was at the time of the sexual revolution, and he was really talking about um, some of was really um, it was really prophetic in a lot of ways mm -hmm. about where our world is going. 
and how we should address some of these issues. But um, it's not that long of a document. People should find it. You can just Google it, Humana Vitae, and read it. It's so interesting. But um, one of the topics that, that he wrote about was the consequences of artificial methods. And he was talking about birth control because this is when it was just becoming legal. Mm-hmm. And, and listen to how prophetic some of this is, you guys. I won't read too much of it because I know it can get kind of boring. Um, but let me see. Um, He's talking about let let men be really aware of what's going on. Let them first consider how easily this course of action could open wide a way for marital infidelity and a general lowering of moral standards. Talking about using a birth control. Not much experience is needed to be fully aware of the human weakness and to understand that human beings, and especially the young, who are so exposed to temptation need incentives to keep the moral law. And it is an evil thing to make it easy for them to break that law using contraceptives. Another effect that gives cause for alarm is that a man who grows accustomed to the use of contraceptive methods may forget the reverence due a woman and disregarding her physical and emotional equilibrium reduce her to being a mere instrument for the satisfaction of his own desires, no longer considering her as his partner whom he should surround with care and affection. This is our Pope at the time saying, if you make contraceptives legal and if they start being used prolifically, this is what's going to happen. And don't, do you think that guys now look at women differently, look at them as more objects, look at them as something to use really for self-pleasure? There's no, um, you know, there's no recompense, I guess, for if, you know, if you sleep with somebody who's not your wife and they become pregnant because you just terminate it or, or, you're, or they're not going to get pregnant maybe because of the birth control, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, what are your thoughts about that? Any, any? <clears throat> yeah, I've heard this before and I, 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 it still rings true. And, and it seems like the more you hear it, the the more layers unfold from it, it like it's like an onion. It's like it gets more, it gets truer and truer every time you hear it. And I think that's why we, we have a rapid, we have a major problem with, with in our, in our society with men, um, just completely objectifying women and abusing them even now, because there are no consequences for, for it. And, uh, well, at least it, it, there, there's the reper- repercussions that they're finding out now with the Me Too movement coming out. They're finding out now, oh, wow, I can't really quite do this and because uh, I get caught now. Um, but the, the, the repercussions of having a, a, a child, you know, first of all, you either prevent it from happening or if it, you know, who cares if it does because I can just kill it. Yeah, that is just crazy. Hey, guess what, you guys? I can't believe it. Our 30 minutes is up already. Wow, what a what an intellectual conversation. I think I'm worn out. <laughs> that was great. I think we could talk about that um, for quite a while. Well, I want to thank you listeners out there for um, taking the time to listen to this podcast. I hope you have a wonderful evening. We'll be seeing you next week. Um, please think about uh, your life. Think about the decisions you make in your life and why you think about um, certain things in certain ways. And, um, and if it makes sense to you. 
especially from a humanistic standpoint, but also from your relationship with God and your relationship with Christ. May God bless you and may God always keep you. Good night.